This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Liss. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, sign up now. Special offer for new users. You can get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with just a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. That's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD, FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. This is the East Coast Offense Podcast, and this is Chris Liss with uh, Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. And I don't know if people can tell, but my voice is a little raspy. Is that obvious to you? No, it's not too bad. Okay. Well, the reason for that is um, we were just in Vegas, and you were there for a couple of days, too, for three days for the RotoWire annual summer trip. And, man, I have to say, for 72 hours, there was never a time somebody was not putting free alcohol <laughs> my hand and i will tell you i will go through it when i landed in vegas on sunday morning brad evans uh texted me said meet me by the liquor store at the baggage claim at the vegas airport he had already bought a bottle of tequila which we drank some of in the car on the way to the hotel then at during the stopa 11k auction which we're going to talk about in detail uh, I was drinking several tequilas and actually got kind of drunk during the auction, and it messed me up a little bit. We'll get to that. Then, um, convenient I, excuse. Convenient, convenient excuse. Okay. Well, we can we can debate that. But so I still kicked your ass even with the excuse, even with the drunken mistake that I did make. Then we went out to the dinner at Javier's, the Mexican place at the Aria, and honestly. There's not a 10-minute span where they weren't giving me another margarita, where, there was, where my hand was free of a margarita till about, from about 7 till midnight. And then the next morning, uh, they were late to get us into breakfast, so they gave out mimosas. And then there was a, uh, another draft where there were beers uh, delivered to the room, cases of beers. And then there was a partner meeting, and there was beers. And then Pianowski, for whatever reason, comes back in. The door was open and said, here, here's a bottle of Jack Daniels. I'm leaving soon, so you guys can have it. <laughs> then that night, we had another party at, um, I can't remember, Julian Serrano. And there was unlimited drinks. When I say unlimited drinks, it wasn't like beer and wine or well liquor. It was whatever the hell you wanted. You want a Grey Goose martini? You want a Hendrix on the rocks? Whatever. You just get it, right? You were there. It was a tapas place, really good. That was a tapas place, and in between, when remember I was on the poker machine or whatever, I would just or at blackjack, they're just giving us tequila. Obviously, I'm getting drinks at the blackjack table, at the poker table, at the craps table, and I showed you how to play craps. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Yeah, you know, I showed you how like, to lose two hundred fifty dollars like- in, in in fifteen minutes. Um, okay, and then <laughs> the next morning, went to breakfast. I did not have anything to drink. Then there was a poker tournament, and there was a huge amount of cases of beer delivered to the room again. This is like noon. And then everyone went down to the pool, and there was an unlimited resupply of mojitos and other fruity drinks at the pool. 
I mean, I had about seven drinks at the pool. In years past, if you had a drink, you were lucky. If you came late, you didn't get any drinks. Here there was a dude refilling three pitchers every half an hour. He was coming by with new full pitchers by the pool. So I was already rocked. Then we went uh, to the third meal, which was at Todd English. And, again, it was unlimited alcohol. And I actually got a burger before then with uh, Andrew Laird. And while I was playing video poker waiting for the burger, I got a tequila from the waitress. So it was just ridiculous. It was literally 72 hours of, of alcohol every second. And that's and I was denied a drink on the Southwest flight because we were hurrying and they didn't have time to serve it. So I would have had even a drink on the flight, but I didn't I didn't do I did have a drink on the flight back, but that was about it. Yeah, and it was great. I missed the uh, Tuesday experience, but I got there a day before you guys because I went to UFC 200 on Saturday and imbibed myself pretty good. So um, it was great. Rotowire deserves a lot of credit. Uh, my first trip with you guys, I don't know, nine, ten years ago, <clears throat> there were like ten of you, and you were downtown, old school Las Vegas. This year, not only do you, did you do your normal you know, steak dinner, but the two nights before you did an open bar with really good hors d'oeuvres. That wouldn't even do it justice, hors d'oeuvres. I mean, you did a great job. Pretty fun. Good job. Thanks. I mean, I didn't plan it this year. I planned it back in the day. The shitty ones that you experienced were like basically me planning all of it. We didn't actually have a steak dinner. We had like hors d'oeuvres. I mean, but but considering what you did beforehand, come on. I mean, that's well. That's, it's just. I mean, this one was definitely way more expensive than we've ever done it, and uh, I don't know if it was entirely necessary. All of it. It was just overkill. I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong. But holy crap, I mean, I'm, just, I'm still not recovered. It was just, I mean, and, and the thing is you think, okay, well, dude, just don't drink so much. You know, just pace yourself. I did pace myself. It's just. Free. Free. What's that? Free is the yeah, problem. that's what I'm saying. It's not, and it's free and not like beer and wine free or free for an hour and a half with beer and wine. No, it's unlimited whatever you want for free. And you're talking to like 50 different people. You know, and you're socializing and forced to socialize. I mean, you're gonna have, you're gonna have 15 drinks in that session. You're going to, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's just impossible not to do it. So it was really quite a, uh, quite a taxing experience. But it was, you know, it was. Uh, I felt like the trip was a, was a success. People are gonna feel very sorry for us for sure. Yes. yes. All right. So, wait, how good was our our last night? It was just me and you at that Sage restaurant. Like I was just talking to a local chef that I that I know at you know Gallo Winery, you know Gallo, right? Yeah, I mean obviously the big you know the big okay, so he's the yeah. main chef at uh, Galettos is our our main Gallo restaurant in Modesto. It's Modesto. But isn't Gallo like mass produced shit wine? Well, calm down with that. But yes, but they they obviously have a, a <laughs> calm down with that. But he's the main chef at their at our local. Why restaurant. does he listen to this podcast? Is he going to be upset that I'm saying that? I don't think you would be happy with that comment, but well, no, I'm saying like people know, like Ju- they are very mass. I mean, when you call mass, they, I mean, they, you go to your local supermarket and they have like Gallo wine. They have like a big gallon jug of it if you want. And they also have high end stuff as well. I, I mean, okay. of course, they have okay. low end because they're the most mass produced. Right. Right. Anyway, I was bragging low end. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Whatever. I was bragging to him about our uh, our sage uh, experience at Aria. Which I thought was pretty good, right? I had a slow poached organic farm egg, which has some crazy like foam on it, and the faux gras brulee was the richest thing I've ever had in my entire life. And you had what oysters and and octopus, like that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought you know it was just very civilized. I, I didn't the meal didn't blow me away. We had lamb. We both got the lamb, and it was good. It was it was good. It it wasn't mind blowing, but it was very solid, and it was just very pleasant in there. Like the room was chill. It was like a break away from like the insanity of like having to talk to so many people i mean i really like guys at the company but there's a lot of new guys and i I talked to them and i was talking to the guys i knew and then people's wives it's just a lot of talking you know it's a lot of socializing and i I like people i'm not like a company you like my what you liked my company is what you're saying i liked your company It was chill you know we got to chill out for a minute it was just you know i like everybody individually but just collectively I'm not a misanthrope, but I just – it's a lot of socializing for, for someone like me. And especially when you're hungover, have a headache, or you're getting that like you took it a couple drinks too far and you're just struggling to focus. Um, so it was nice to chill and get a really good meal, a nourishing, delicious, healthy meal like that. It was pleasant. And we got some coffee. 
The whole thing was very relaxing. Yeah, that coffee was actually really good. It was good. Yeah, then we went then out. Then I proceeded and- to win. I was very hot on the blackjack table before uh, – sorry, after you, you tried to – here's the thing. Everyone's like, craps is the way to go. This has happened to me half a dozen times in my life. And I lose every time. They just tell me where to place my bets, and I lose. Like, trust me. Trust me. This is the best odds in the house. Trust me. And then I just keep losing. So you're just the, you know, the latest member of the group of people that have done this to me. Yeah, the difference is I know how to play, and I don't, you know, not, I don't like all the ins and outs, but I know the basics. And same thing. And they're like, okay, just you know, put your money down on the pass line, back it up with, you know, max out the odds, then put the money on the come bet. When that gets put on a number, max that out until. You, and somebody said, you know, do it until you cover every single number. Uh, or and another person said, do just cover three numbers and just leave it at that. But either way, even at a $10 minimum table, I mean, you easily have $200 out on the, on the board at any one time. And if a guy goes like, you know, four, eight, six, seven, you lose all your money. You know, it's just that's it. And everybody was doing that. The only one rolling well was me, but I didn't roll. I was going to say, the only time I did win was when you rolled. But I didn't roll. I didn't do it long enough. I did make like a small profit on my turn, but it wasn't like enough to offset all the losses. And I, I'm the same way, man. I played craps maybe, I'm going to say, like eight times since like people were like, oh, yeah, you got to get into it. And I think I've lost about $1,200 since then. Like I just – every time. And it's fast. You know, you lose $200 in 15 minutes, and it's not that fun. So it was – yeah, that was unfortunate. I, I did win 400 in blackjack the night before and then gave that back also. But, you know, I, I basically broke even at the end of the day. and uh, That's like winning, though, yeah. when you're – well, you know what's messed up? Um, I, I I had ten dollars to play at the airport uh, poker machines, and my last hand of my last dollar twenty five max bet, which pays four thousand to one, I uh, was four. I finished. <laughs> I drew, and I had four to the royal flush. <laughs> it was one card off, so that would have been sweet. That would have been a thousand bucks on the quarter machine. I have a pretty good picture of you at three a.m. smoking a cigar at uh, at the the. the, the what was it? The, well, I forget what the bar it was. The was. bar in the Aria, but it's weird, and you're a weird person because the, I've seen that picture only because Kevin Payne sent it to me. And I don't know what you and Kevin Payne have going on, but you're sending pictures of me to, to Kevin Payne. That's strange. Yeah, only Payne. Come on. That's funny. <laughs> Payne That's wanted funny. to make it his profile picture. I told him he could. <laughs> All right. Well, we should, we should attach it to this podcast because okay, it's a pretty sure. good picture. Yeah, maybe I, I can put it up. No problem. All right. Okay. All right. So, you know, we should be more creative with that anyway. I don't know. All right. So there's all that. That's fine. Um, and then uh, the, you know, the really the main thing we, one of the main things we do there is the Stopa 11K Auction League. And we talked a b- bunch about this. We alluded to this. $11,000 if you win both the high points and uh, the Super Bowl gets split up a little bit if if different person gets the most points and wins the Super Bowl. It's half point PPR. It's a regular 12-team league, except that there's a super flex added. So that means you can have it be a QB in addition to a regular flex. And there's two tight ends and five bench spots. So in terms of running backs and receivers, it's very standard. In terms of QBs and tight ends, it's not standard at all. So you want to talk about your team first? Why don't you talk about your team first? I think it sucks, but go ahead. Of course you do. Um, yeah, I talked trash that I had a strategy going in, um, and I lived up to it. And uh, I, I decided to do something different this year. And I you talked trash and lived up to it. I think that's a fair statement. <laughs> right. So I bought Antonio Brown and, and, and Odell Beckham for a hundred and four dollars, and I actually allocated my budget for one twenty on them. And I really like my team. I also got Devontae Freeman. Why do people hate Freeman? I don't do know. I don't know. You know he was the number one fantasy back last year, right? <laughs> Literally the number one. He, he finished with 3.1 yards per carry over the second half. I get it. He's 24 years old, and I backed him up with Tevin Coleman. So I, I'm actually not a Freeman guy, but Jesus, $30 for him to go along with my other strategy. Yeah. And By I, the way, I, uh, just so people don't, it's a $200 budget. Right. Fair enough. Right. Right. Um, I got Jeremy Hill for eleven dollars, and we and, and also me and Liss bet uh, I think a hundred dollars on on Hill versus um, Gio Bernard, which is I, I wouldn't let you out of that for one hundred one dollars. I wouldn't let the bet. Um, so I like I, I don't know. I went really small on my. T- I have three one dollar tight ends, and that's going to be a problem. 
Tony Romo and Matthew Stafford in my two tight end leagues. I'm sorry, two QB leagues. So I don't know. It was a really fun <laughs> to be to be. Are you okay? Are you okay? I don't know why I just got this cough all of a sudden, but yeah, I'm fine. But in, in live auction, probably about as fun as it gets with eleven thousand dollars on the line in Vegas, people drinking, so much fun. Yeah. So you know, you're weak at third receiver. Uh, you're weak. Your second running back is questionable. Terrible at tight end. The worst tight ends in the league. I don't like your quarterbacks that much, and you have you do have two great receivers. I'll give you that. Okay, so Matthew Stafford and Tony Romo versus your two cousins and Winston. Yeah, I, I just I, I, I love cousins and Winston. I I just think you know I'm I'm going for what. Here's how I feel about my team. I've got cousins Winston, Allen Robinson, T. Y. Hilton, Brandon Cooks. I feel like. I drafted the guys who might be the stars of 2016, not the guys who are the stars of 2010 through 2015. That's kind of what I was trying to do within the structure of going receiver heavy, but still having, you know, serviceable tight ends and serviceable quarterbacks. Here's the problem. I want to talk shit bad, but like even Eric Ebron might go crazy too. Right. So, so um, I, I, I actually really like Hilton, and I had Cooks on my team last year. He's going to go crazy. I don't. Obviously, your your running backs are very questionable, and I absolutely think my Sammy Coates at one dollar is better than your Marcus Wheaton at five. But I also really like Mark uh, Monte Dante Moncrief a lot. That's the problem, and Hilton. And Allen Robinson, and I would absolutely trade Romo for Cousins. So the problem is I don't hate your team. <laughs> so I wanted. Well, I should have a better team. I screwed up because I got drunk, and it was I was paying attention to my team, doing what I meant to do. It's football. It's not like baseball. It's kind of easy. Right. But right. I just wasn't even looking at the overall spread, and there are all these mistakes on the spreadsheet too. So that was the other problem. Like the, the, the spreadsheet wasn't showing max bid wrong. It was like the spreadsheet was so messed up. That what I did, here's why, I, this is why I lost, first of all, I was drunk. But second of all, I lost track because I did, I copied my team from the spread, from the Google Doc to an Excel file on my laptop. Because I wanted to figure out exactly how much money I had left, right? Like I wasn't, it was like so messy, you couldn't tell what you had left from that. I needed to like have a separate tally. Right. Yeah. So right. because I was trying to figure out what I had left, um, I just kind of left the, group spreadsheet behind it was just looking at my thing and then of course because i was drunk and and maybe because i was drunk it was why i needed to like not manually add it up and needed to have it in the spreadsheet and see exactly like what i had left i just forgot about what everyone else was doing and so i wanted foster late i wanted a bunch of guys late i wanted uh doral green beckham late i wanted rg3 late but i didn't realize that i had 33 bucks and everyone had and pino had 12 and everyone had like eight bucks left that i didn't need to you know, pass on Gio Bernard, or I didn't need to pass on Devontae Parker to get all those targets. I would have still gotten all those targets and gotten Gio Bernard. But I didn't realize that because I had, I was only looking at my own tally because the tally on the group's sheet was messed up. So, and I was drunk and I just had to like focus on what I had to really, you know, not screw up my own budget. So um, that was unfortunate. I should have one more player. It was either Devontae Parker or Gio Bernard. Those are the two guys I let go that I wanted um, and that I obviously would have gone the extra mile for had I known I'd be forced to uh, bid up Carlos Williams, who is not worth nine. He's basically worth one. I was going to say a couple, cu- couple things. First of all, I, I, I crazy you for Eric Ebron, which is funny because you got Barnage for the same price, and yeah. I actually think he should be like a top three tight end. Like I, I get that the quarterback situation might be sketchy there, but, man, he was very, very good last season. And right. for $7 – in a two tight end league, that's kind of silly, actually, in hindsight. Yep. And, and also, I want to give you props for. Actually, I deserve props myself. I told you in this podcast I was going to do a crazy strategy. I did it with Brown and Beckham. You said you're going to go Colts heavy. You did it with T. Y. Hilton, Dorsett, and Moncrief. I like it. So we both kind of were with our word. What do you think about Carlos Williams? Though I think he could be a monster, but have you seen this? Uh, Stuff with him being so overweight. Yeah, but but fortunately, the fifth-round rookie um, just got a D, DWI. <laughs> okay. So Jonathan Williams is <laughs> looking out for me, right? He was a uh, competition for Carlos Williams, and now he's in, you know, in trouble. And a fifth-rounder who got a DUI is not 
that's not helping his case. Um, you know, yeah, I knew Carlos Williams was overweight at the time. Stopa was the guy bidding on him. A couple of the Bills guys were. So I, I don't know. He was great last year. McCoy could be great, could get hurt. Who knows? So I just felt like, you know, run-heavy team, uh, probably both those guys will get carries, and, and Carlos Williams may be the better back. But um, nine just seemed like kind of a lot for a guy who is, you know, certainly going to be the number two at best <laughs> if he gets back into shape and didn't uh, do himself any favors. He's maybe not a $1 player, but a $3 player, right? This is not a $9 player. I just had extra money. Your number one, your number one running back is Danny Woodhead. Yeah, and who I hate. I don't even like him. I've been trashing him. And, and in PPR, you know, he's – Really good in half PPR. Say he gets eighty catches, that's worth forty. So you lose forty points, which is basically six, tu- you know, six, seven touchdowns. Um, so imagine if you had a running back projected for ten touchdowns, and then you only got three. That's the difference with Woodhead in PPR to half PPR. But I just think he's a placeholder. I mean, the, the whole idea with running back was, you know, Buck Allen. I think could end up starting and being very good in Tressman's offense. Catch a ton of passes. He caught forty-five balls last year. And I, I think Buck Allen is actually kind of sneaky. Carlos Williams could be useful. Foster, I think it's ridiculous that he went for three. I, this, I was saving money for these guys. I, I, Foster, to me, when he signs, and he will sign somewhere, he's healthy now, he wants to play, is going to be like a fifth or sixth round pick. Right? It, it's yeah, like, that, yeah, that could be huge. Yeah. Right. I want to ask you another strategy question because I've actually flip-flopped on this. Um, normally I'm like – I would spend bench players, spend my, uh, you know, my resources on bench players, but I actually went with a top kicker and a top defense possibly. So, so talk about that when you're allowed to spend it on any position you want versus throwing out guys for $1 that you think are very good at kicker and defense. Yeah, I mean, you can go either way. I mean, you got Hauschka and the Pats D. It's a 12-team league, so, it, you know, a 14-team league, I'd probably be more inclined to get the D and the kicker. But in a 12-team league, I, I think you're going to be able to find a defense and kicker. And, you know, I think the Eagles play like the Niners or the – one of the worst, or the Browns. They play somebody like that week one. You could pick something, you know, a team like that up for week one just with a matchup. And there's always kickers on the waivers. So I would rather just – especially when you draft July 10th, you have so much time for injuries to happen. If, Buck, if I have Buck Allen and Justin Forsett gets hurt in training camp and – Buck Allen's the clear starter. That's that's huge, right? If I didn't get him, he'd be a very expensive competitive buy on waivers. So I'd rather just hold the extra spots when it's this early in the summer and pick someone up. I don't really think, you know, we're very good at predicting defenses and kickers. And so I can pick up one probably just as good as the ones you paid for. I mean, obviously that's the argument. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I'm also going with the Patriots, you know, at, and their history in Hauschka for $1 and – I don't know. I like throwing them out there early and getting that. Uh, to me, it's an interesting argument. That's why I asked you. But Well, I, I think, like, you know, maybe the Broncos I'd be happy with and maybe Gostkowski. Right, if you don't stop, Those, right. Just the number one. Um, I think maybe at the very extremes we can be certain. I mean, I wouldn't want to sure. take sure. the Browns kicker, you know, and I wouldn't want to take the, the Saints defense. You know, like I think we know well, a little bit. Shit. That's why I went with the number two kicker on my board and the number three defense on my board. That's that's what I'm saying. We're yeah, we know a little bit, but you know, outside the very top. I ones, mean, I project the Patriots win the most games this year. I like that uh, as my defense, <laughs> right? Yeah, but I'm looking the pa- you know in, in Vegas the Packers are the top over under for wins and they're still available. If you yeah, let's go by that. Yeah, that's a good point. Right, they're that's, freely that's available, and I'm, they'll probably be freely right. available before week one. So right. it's not really – if you want to just go by, okay, well, the teams that are favored by the most score the most points on D. Packers are the 11 wins over under. Did you see Aaron Rodgers on any given Wednesday? No. What what, what happened? He said that uh, – he was told that um, Mike Nolan uh, preferred him preferred Alex Smith because he opened the door for his mom when he saw saw him. That's That's why he picked him over Aaron Rodgers. That's probably a joke, though. No, it was not a joke. It was not a joke. I mean, Mike Nolan, Mike Nolan, literally, this was not a joke. So he destroyed. I mean, he, I mean, he didn't destroy it. I mean, the, the Niners would have been a dynasty under Har- Harbaugh with Rodgers. They would have won like three or four Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we had, we had a we had a lot of luck in the Bay Area, you know, with obviously Curry and 
and other issues and other people, but that's pretty bad. I mean, that's that's pretty frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would take that at face value. Yeah, he probably also thought Alex Smith was going to be really good. I mean, it's not like the Niners were the only team to pass on Rodgers. There were 21 teams passed on him. Exactly. That's that's very fair. Yes, true. All right, let's talk about some of these other buys. It was weird. You know, uh, Liz Loza got Melvin Gordon for 19, and she and Brad were bidding on him. And I was thinking, if those two were not in the room or only one of them, he would go for like five or six bucks. Am I missing something about Melvin Gordon? I could, I could see it. I mean, he was an early first-round pick last year. And obviously they can't just give up on him after one year. But is there – I mean, he's not going to be in on third downs. He didn't score any touchdowns last year. I assume he's going to score some this year. The offensive line wasn't very good. The D probably isn't that good, so they're not going to be you know, running out leads that much. He was hurt this offseason. He's coming back from an injury. Is he what, – what, what do you – if I say six on Melvin Gordon, do you say seven? Not at all. I hate him. So if I uh, open the bidding, we have all our money left, and I go Melvin Gordon for six, and you and I are the only ones, no one else is saying anything. Crickets? I mean, of course I could be wrong. I don't want to. It's not about whether like you could be wrong. Or, I'm just saying, no, I, say I don't consider him like a, a $3 player, no. Okay, no. so he, you, no. Consider him a $3, I, you consider him a $3 player? First of player? all, San Diego running backs have been terrible. Just think about it since Tomlinson left. They've all sucked. I mean, I guess Woodhead catches a lot of balls. Ryan but, Matthews had one really good year. Uh, me, I guess. He, he had one really good year in San Diego. All right. No. Gordon, first of all, was terrible last year and now coming off microfracture surgery. No, would not have. Yeah, I would, so I say six. Nobody else speaks up. Crickets. I get him for six. For me, yes. Okay. For me. All right. I was, a couple other buys that were interesting. Watkins, 25, with the foot injury. I love Sammy Watkins. Watkins, to me, I had him as a first-round pick before the foot injury. Like I, I had him ahead of Des Bryant and A.J. Green. That's how high I was in Watkins. Thousand percent agree. Fully healthy. Thought he'd be a monster, borderline top five wide receiver. Barring the injury, twenty-five dollars seemed extreme. It seems extremely cheap, or or extremely, oh, extremely high. Extremely high. Right. Stope is acting like that foot injury just doesn't exist. I think walk. Well, not true. I mean, if the foot injury didn't exist, he'd be thirty-five. So we got sure, a ten-dollar sure. discount. Right. Okay. No, but but I would discount him even more personally. Okay. To me, what about you? What about you? I think I think it's a fair price that he got him for, but it was just it was just one of the guys that's hard to value. So I wanted to bring him up. I think right. I think twenty five no is fair. I, I probably was close to getting in on it, but let it go. Okay, there's uh, no right answer, but I, I personally thought it would go for less. Yeah, because of the injury. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a big risk, and you know, he's running in a straight line right now, which doesn't mean that much. So Pianowski got Des Bryant for thirty four. We talked about him on the show today. And the thing about Des Bryant is I have a hard time drafting him because I view him like a running back. You know, running backs, you know, we talked about it last week. Running backs kind of like, well, he could be good. He could be terrible. We don't really know. It's a running back. You know, it's he could – Lamar Miller could be great or maybe he'll suck. It's just very hard to know with these running backs. And with the receivers, the top receivers, even like A.J. Green, Allen Robinson, even Hopkins, who I don't like this year – especially Julio Jones, who I don't like this year. I don't really wonder if they're going to get 150 targets and be really good. I just think they're going to be good, and they're going to vary in how good they are, and I'll like some better than others, but I trust all of them, right? I trust all of them to be fine. Um, And with running backs, I don't feel that way. I view Dez as a running back. He's one of those guys that could be great. If he pans out, he could be a game game changer for you, but I just don't know. I'm not – he's just somebody who, with Romo's – age and injury history and his age coming back from the injury and him getting a little bit older. I just don't know. I definitely agree with you. He could, he could get injured as he usually does. And Romo, whom I hope does not because I am tied to him in this format in this league could be a monster totally. Um, but yeah, kind of like a running back, just so much injury history. I'm curious to ask you about um, Hopkins though. You seem to, to, to ding him because of the, uh, the volume, right? So let me ask you this. How, how, good, how, how efficient can a human being be with that much volume? 
Uh, Julio Jones averaged 9.2 yards per target on 200 targets. Antonio Brown averaged more than 9 on 193 targets. Okay, and what, what was Hopkins? 7.9. Okay, so, so you really would, wouldn't, wouldn't consider him a top five guy? Uh, I'm trying to think. Probably not. I, I also, actually they, they changed quarterbacks. Yeah, well, they changed quarterbacks, which could be good, could be bad. I mean, it's not going to be terrible because a lot of their quarterbacks were terrible. But Hoyer was okay in terms of he was he threw picks and he wasn't a good quarterback, but he was able to get That's fair. Hopkins the ball certainly in the first half. And you don't need to be great to you don't need to have a great quarterback to be a great receiver. The problem was the Texans force fed in the first half of the season weeks one through ten. Here's Hopkins' target totals, 13, 11, 14, 22, 14, 15, 12, 11, 11, 12. Never single digits. And the first five games, you know, he was an absolute beast. I mean, he, was, he broke 148, 169, 157, 101. I mean, he was way over 100 yards. But then since then, so he had four straight games of well over 100 yards. And actually in the first six weeks, um, he had 98 or more yards five times. Okay, so that that was a huge six game start to the season. But since then, he only had 200 yard games the rest of the way. And he only had one, two, four, five, six touchdowns in the final 10 games. And I kind of think that's who he is. Moreover, in the second half of the season, when he slowed down a bit, um, the Texans also started winning football games. Uh, Their D snapped out of whatever funk they were in uh, and played much better. Okay, interesting. I mean, did you watch him? You, do you not think he's good at football? I think he's good. I think he's a dynamic player. He, he makes plays. I don't think that he's athletically that talented. I think he's, you know, obviously he's a good athlete, but he's not Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Des Bryant. He's not one of those guys. Okay, interesting. All right. I still like him, but I understand where you're coming from. So sure. you're talking about a guy whose team would prefer to throw it less, who is dealing with a new quarterback who may not be good. We don't really know. Um, who wasn't especially efficient? I, I don't. I, I he's still going to get his 145 to 155 targets minimum, and he's still going to catch 85 to 95 balls minimum, and he's still going to score eight touchdowns minimum. He's still going to be fine. Like I trust him. I just don't think I would take Allen Robinson over him. I would take AJ Green over him. Okay, that's that's fair enough. I, I, I'm actually uh, started to do a couple MFL leagues right. today. And I um and I took um, I, I took David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott over him. So fair enough. I think in the MFLs though, since they're best ball, I I'm, I don't know enough about them, and I'm going to do a few this year because why not? They're best ball. That you really want to go heavy running back and then just go volume on receivers because you're going to get like Deshaun Jackson's four 80-yard touchdown games, and then you're going to get your you know couple big. You know, you'll have Philip Dorsett in, like, the 10th round, and he'll get, like, two long touchdowns. You just get a bunch of those guys. Will Fuller will catch a couple right, big right. touchdowns for you. And I think that's how you do it, right? You don't draft. I think you draft running backs early in the MFLs. That's interesting because they're, the wide receivers fly off the boards. <laughs> oh, is that true? Is that true? Yeah. I thought it's- the optimal strategy was running backs. I could be wrong. I, again, I don't know that much, but I read some stuff a couple years ago, and it just seemed like, you know, if you have a couple of elite backs, you can fill in with the, rec- the receivers on volume. But the problem in, in regular leagues where you have to actually set your lineup is that you don't know when those, like, explosive receivers are going off. You can't time Deshaun Jackson. You don't have to in a best ball league. I understand that strategy, and I actually agree with it. But I'm just telling you, in, in the early going, they, the wide receivers are the ones, again. full PPR leagues? Yes, full that's PPR. Probably, that's probably that's part of it. They score more points, I guess. Fly off the board. Like, you can get girly often, like, Pick nine. Right. I mean, I wouldn't mind an MFL starting with, like, David Johnson and Gurley. That would be – I'd be very happy with that. Right, right, right. Maybe no, they're fun. Else. No, exactly. It's just it's just a draft. Oh, Freeman. Play. I love Freeman in those, the full PPR. Right, right. Well, you'd love my team in Stopa then. No. that's First of all, that's half PPR. <laughs> and it's not – you need to get the good receivers in um, – in Stopa, because you, you're not going to be able to figure it out. You got two decent ones. Good receivers in Stopa. You got what decent. You got decent. You got two Odell decent Beckham receivers. Jr. I'll give you that. You do have two Hold decent. On. Is, Odell, is Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown the good receivers? Are I think they good? decent. You got two decent ones. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So anyway, just, just wondering. You got you got any more to say about that? 
No, just in my team. Uh, I, I like my team. It's funny you don't like like mine. I, I, I you could be fine. I, it, it, I you... talk trash about yours, but I actually do like Kirk Cousins and Kirk and, and Brandon Cooks and T. Y. Hilton. So that's a problem. But your running backs are terrible. But you're you're actually like Barnage for cheap in a two tight end league too, and Moncrief. So I want to go nuts talking shit, but. I don't know. You're I kind of as usual. You're a coward, and then also coward saying I love my team. I'll say that. Right. I'll say that. Love my. So team. and the other thing is James Winston. I talked about this on the uh, radio show. Okay. That dude is this guy a good quarterback? Going to be a good quarterback in the NFL? Well, as a rookie, he had 22 touchdown passes. He had 7.6 YPA. He had six rushing touchdowns. He had more than 4,000 passing yards. And he did this despite Mike Evans catching only three touchdowns last year. And I think Vincent Jackson missed several games. This dude is going to be a star. He was the number one overall pick. This is who you expect to be the star in the NFL. The number one overall pick quarterback out of college who has a monster rookie year. Stafford got hurt his rookie year, and he, you know, he's been sort of up and down. Bradford sucked and got hurt. But Winston had a great rookie year as the number one overall QB. And how many number one overall QBs have great rookie years and then don't become good QBs? The only one I can think of, really, and he's number two, but he's basically number one, is RG3. And obviously that was crazy circumstances. Right. That's fair. That's a fair point, but I will say this. I will bet my Romo or Stafford versus Winston straight up this year. Done. Name the price. Done. You, you name the player and the price. Um, I'll go against Romo because he'll probably get hurt. Um, <laughs> hundred bucks. I'll go against each. I'll go Winston against both, each one. We could 100. do a minimum ten games or something, just or twelve games, just to make it okay. so. That it's, yeah. Or, or just do per game production and then minimum five games or something like that. Sure, let's do that. That's okay. perfect. I'll do a hundred against each. Okay, done. And if, if there's if neither plays, you know, if Winston doesn't play five games, then it's just it's null. Okay. Right. Perfect. Okay. I have Winston way higher than those guys. That's why I'm betting, because okay. you're wrong. Okay. I don't know what you see in Stafford. I just don't get it. Uh, what's, he's a 7.2 YPA guy, lost Calvin Johnson. He's got two very mediocre receivers. He's not saddled with Calvin anymore. I think he's going to really break I, out. Have, have I don't know, man. I, you know. No, no, no. That's obviously a concern. I, I don't know why he even thinks he's good in Romo. Run the ball a lot? I mean, did you see? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Jim he's going to throw it a lot. I don't. I mean, maybe he'll get behind and the D's bad and they'll get into shootouts, but, man. And then Romo, how many passes do you think Romo threw? And he only played 15 games in 2014. That was the year that DeMarco Murray went nuts and they became the elite offensive line that they have now. How many passes do you think he threw in 15 games? You're talking about two different players. Romo is efficient in okay, one of the just, best just, players. Just, just take it easy. How many passes do you think Romo threw in 15 games in 2014? Off the top of your head. 500. 435. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're talking but, like what was, his YPA? what was his YPA? Eight point five. <laughs> is that, is that yeah. good? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Is, is that good. But it's but like, but the year before it was seven point two, and the year before it was seven point six. So I mean, that was just sick. Well, wait, wait, wait. He hindered himself by scoring. God damn, he threw too many touchdowns, so he couldn't throw more right. passes. He did. It probably cost him some, but four thirty-five is incredibly low, and it coincided with Murray's incredible year. Right. You know how many yards? Exactly okay, like so even at eight point five a clip, though. Do you know how many yards I, he had that year? How many? Thirty-seven hundred and five. Okay. So wait, wait, wait. Do you know how many rushing yards he had? Romo. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Very little. Sixty-one. Yeah. So this <laughs> dude is very much handicapped with the yardage. Now he threw thirty-four touchdowns, which is amazing in that amount of pass. I mean, that's like a fifty-five touchdown season for a guy who throws six hundred passes. I mean, it's ridiculous. The, the, his touchdown rate was off the charts. But you got Dez two years older, Romo two years older, both coming off injuries. Man, that's a stupid bet you just made. Yeah, I know. Just like Terrence Williams and an old Jace, Jason Witten as well. I hear it's you. Terrible. I, I, it's I, awful. And they're going to just throw to Ezekiel and run it a ton. He's really good, though, when healthy. Well, he's, when young, you know. Uh, I know that division could be a bunch of shootouts, though, right? Like name a good. No, the Giants D people. You know, the Giants had the worst yeah. defense in the NFL last year. I mean, I, I literally the worst in terms of yards given up. They were terrible. Hold on, 
This is your argument? This is the Giants defense? Well, the Giants defense, can you name a few players that will be playing for them I that weren't playing last year? Much, right. I, no. Wait, wait. Just just let's go over let's go to, go over who they have. Okay. Olivier Vernon was like pro football focus. He was like JJ Watt, okay, last year. Signed him. He's 25 years old. Okay. JPP barely played last year when he did. It was with like a non-functional hand. Now, he had another surgery and is not going to need any cast or anything. Was it regrowth? It did regrow fully. Oh, it regrew oh, okay. fully into a hand. Yes. Okay. Actually, it grew into a foot. That's even more powerful. Okay. It, it grew into like a, a hook and a, no, he has he doesn't have the hand still, but he's back. He doesn't need surgery. He's going to practice all off season and all training camp. It's a whole different situation. He may be handicapped, but and no pun intended. But he is going. He I'm not saying he's going to be a monster. There's a good chance he can be a monster. And then they signed Damon Harrison, who's an elite run stopper, to go along with Jonathan Hankins, who was already a, 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 an elite run stopper. And they drafted Eli Apple. They, they, people say they reached, but whatever. He was still like a borderline first-round pick. And they signed Janoris Jenkins, who they overpaid for, but he's still like an above-average cornerback. So they really upgraded their D quite a bit. Oh, absolutely, on paper, for sure. They don't, that doesn't always work that way, but... I understand that. I got it. Do you know what uh, Stafford's numbers were when my guy Jim Bob Cooter took over? They were really good. Yeah, they were good, but that was with Calvin playing. That's that's true. That's true. I, I didn't target either of these two quarterbacks. I know. I, I, I would hope not. <laughs> Absolutely not. But I've always been a Romo guy. I know he's old, but he, he Romo's good. Come on. Romo's really good. I think he's on his last legs. I think the Cowboys win 11 games this year. And uh, he, he throws borderline 38 touchdowns. I'll take the way under on that. The, the thing about Romo, too, is that um, I think he might be a game manager now. You know, they're just going to turn him into a game manager. He's not going to be asked to, like, a lot of his big plays and great greatness was scrambling away from sacks and throwing the ball downfield. And I just don't think he's got that in him anymore. The problem with my argument is I actually really like Zeke Elliott too, so I can't I can't really go all in on Romo. I actually think Elliott's going to go crazy because that team has a a very favorable schedule because of based off last year's injuries, you know, facing a last place schedule or whatever third place schedule, and um, their offensive line. And I think Elliott's going to be a 350 carry guy. So I am actually not too too in bed to, uh, to to defend Romo, but he's really good. I think he's really good if when healthy. He might break his collarbone tomorrow, though. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott went for 40. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't say 40. Oh, it's because you were committed to your receivers and you couldn't afford it. I think yeah. – and we talked about this on the XM show, but I think where you failed – and I, okay. hope, I hope you're okay with me calling it a failure, your auction. Uh, oh, I, I what, love it. Okay, good. was not getting Julio Jones. You got the wrong Jones. You got Marvin Jones instead of Julio. And Julio went for – Oh, I have no idea. Oh, he went for 47. I, yeah. He went for 47. Right. And I think you might have had to go to 50 to get him from Derek, but let's say you spent 50 on him. That gets rid of Freeman. That's 30. And Jones, that's 34. So you need 16, really 17 more because it's two spots. You know, oh, you're saying of, go, through, go after all three, you're saying. Yeah, get rid of Tevin Coleman and get rid of Deshaun Jackson. You're all $1 players. And then instead of Romo at 18, um, you buy you know a, a little bit cheaper quarterback that's probably better. Um, like, well, you know, like Dalton was 15, who I have ahead of Romo because of the attempts. So someone like that, I th- you know, even getting like Flacco for 10, I think would have been better. I was going to say Flacco. Yeah, like, Flacco for 10 and going all three because that would have really been the strategy. I mean, the three receivers that you can just count on to be the monsters and then just dollar. Oh, Jeremy Hill at 11. That's the guy you could get rid of. So you get rid of Hill, Freeman. Coleman and Jackson, you got it. You could keep Romo if you love Romo so much. Yeah, no, that would have been fun too. I, I, I'm, I'm fine with Jeremy Hill at 11, but that would have been fun to get those three receivers for sure. Yeah, and it would have been more of a badass strategy. Yeah, I know you're right. Like I was bragging about a strategy the night before, and Andy even went on Twitter and was like, "Dalton's going to revolutionize the uh, thing." But whatever, I backed up what I, what, I backed up what I said. But that might have been even more badass. That would have been much more badass because you would have taken it. Would actually caught it. Would have taken meant made you have to take a chance where you didn't really know what you were doing, how you're right. filling it in. But so, you know, uh, this was still pretty badass. I, I bought the two most expensive players. 
Yeah. You know, you know what? I, I, one thing I really like about Freeman is there was one game where I think Julio Jones had like, I want to say he had like 20-something targets. Matt Ryan threw like 32 passes, and Julio Jones had like 21 targets, and Freeman had 10 targets. And then they ran the ball like 30 times, and Freeman carried it 28 times, and Matt Ryan had two rushes. So it was basically Freeman and Jones had every single attempt in the entire Atlanta offense. Maybe I'm exaggerating by two or three targets. Maybe Tammy got one or something. But pretty much like 90-something percent of all of the plays from scrimmage went through Jones and Freeman. That was it. And so I think that if Jones is – I mean, if Freeman stays healthy – He's a lock for 250 and 60. And I think 250 and 60 is worth 30 bucks no matter what. I, I just think it's almost impossible not to earn the 30 bucks with 250 and 60. Uh, to yep. me, I, I think Coleman may, if he gets hurt, have a chance. I think Coleman may be a change of pace and break a big run now and then. But I don't really see Freeman, without getting hurt, just losing the job to him. Well, yeah, that's what I'm counting on. I just, I don't know. Can you can you remember a guy being the number one fantasy running back going for thirty dollars the next year? Yeah, it's pretty weird. I mean, obviously he did a lot of his damage in like a weeks three to seven or something like that, and was kind of pedestrian most of the rest of the way. But the offense kind of sucked. He didn't really lose his role. I don't really see it changing that much. And the offense is going to be mediocre. But you know, Matt Ryan's okay, and Julio Jones is going to be the focus of other de- of opposing defenses. I, and I think. It wasn't like a random, a bunch of goal line touchdowns. He no, no. He was a heavy usage, heavy targeted. Heavy seven heavy... targets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he's good out of the backfield. Right. So so that that was my thought. I, I'm not even a Freeman guy, but like yeah. $30. Jesus. Yeah, he's kind of like Ray Rice. Pre-domestic violence Ray Rice. I was going to say, let's, let's not. <laughs> let's I'm not to libel the guy. I'm saying he's pre-domestic violence Ray Rice. That's, that's who he reminds me of. Right. So we're all in agreement that my, my team's the best. We're all in agreement with this. No, uh, no, we're not in agreement with that, but it's fine if you think that. I don't know. I thought you had a nice gimmicky strategy. You didn't go – You didn't gimmicky. Come on. Gimmicky. You, didn't, you didn't push it all the way through. You, so you're like gimmicky and cowardly. I think you did pull those two things off. And in well, the end, I think you're just going to be losing a lot of these – It would be gimmicky gonna, and cowardly. That was my strategy. Gimmicky and cowardly is what, how I would say. Right. That was my strategy. Yeah. Anyway, good times. Uh, is there any uh, politics to talk before we uh, bounce out here? Uh, the only thing I wanted to say is, you know, Trump is still mulling over his VP pick. Apparently it's Mike Pence, they say, but it's not official yet. And I, I honestly, thought it was Hunter. I heard that at first. I thought it was Hunter. I was hoping it was Hunter Pence. I think that would be a good choice. But an even better choice is Monica Lewinsky. Because yeah, vote, I actually voted on your Twitter thing for that. I mean, to realize her. if Mon- just think about this, he chooses Monica Lewinsky. I mean, obviously she'd have to agree to it, but he could say, okay, look, I'll just give you like ten mil, but just keep it quiet for now. And so he doesn't say anything explicitly. He just says, you know, she's she's been through a lot. She's was thrust into a spotlight at a young age, something she didn't really want, and she's really fought to uh, get herself back together. And I think she'll be a strong fighter for. Uh, you know, p- people in this country. And they never mention what actually happened. But every time they're together, every time they're on stage, he's like chomping on a cigar, introducing her. <laughs> and every time they're on the stage together or it's just reminding people. It's trolling in the worst way. And what is it reminding them of? It's reminding them of just the most embarrassing possible thing. I'm thinking how embarrassing that is to both uh, the Clintons and just – it's just this constant reminder. You know, she wouldn't even, they would never even have to say it. They would never even have to mention it. Just choosing her in and of itself, I think it would be game over. I don't think she's actually into politics, is she? I don't, I, I would be almost that positive the- she would not accept to be uh, part of the trolling, just to, just to be part of a trolling situation. But if he could somehow convince her, uh, you know, for revenge or whatever, I mean, you know, her life is definitely upended. You know, and she was just a young, uh, young intern. I think that uh, it would just be the most. It would just work. I would definitely work. I'm all for it. I think he should have. And uh, he went the cowardly route and just took some milk toast dickhead. And uh, or we don't know for sure yet, but seems like he's taking some milk toast dickhead. And then if Hillary chooses Tim Kaine as another milk toast dickhead, 
And then, honestly, nobody's going to even show up and vote. They'll be like, I actually think, and I'm hoping that maybe, I don't know, like 12,000 people vote in the general election. All right. Okay. But one last serious question. Your thoughts on Bernie endorsing Hillary? I understand why I did it. I feel like he, and we'll, I, I don't trust her to stick to any of this, but he got some concessions. There's a public option in Obamacare, apparently. There's free tuition, which is something that he wanted to push. There's the minimum wage stuff that he wanted. And it's probably some other stuff that I forgot about. But so I, he probably felt like the, he probably knows he got jobbed a little bit the way California went down and the way the DNC was in the tank for her and the way the media covered it. But he can't. There's nothing he can do about that, and he probably just feels like he wants to get policy done, and so he got everything he could, and then th- the move was to endorse her, and that if he never endorsed her, then you know they may be she might have reacted against that and been like, all right, screw it then. Although I still think like if he had said, look, we're not endorsing until she does X, Y, and Z, and just said, you know, you have to vote your conscience and see how far far she's going to come to do the stuff that we want. I think it might have been better, but I understand why he did it. I, I don't really – I'm not personally – as much as I was rooting for Bernie and liked Bernie and I think he's like – seems like a decent person, politics aren't really about that. They're just about policy mostly. And so I personally am like not swayed by it because <laughs> I don't trust her. I think she could say whatever. I just don't think she's trustworthy. If, if she said, I pledge to do this and there, I promise 100 percent that I will not go back on this and that kind of language, not that waffly language she always uses, then I would vote for her. But barring that, just sort of being like, yeah, we're going to unite and all this bullshit, I'm not voting for her. I don't – you know, he may hope, be hopeful and trusting that she'll pass some of the stuff or think that he did the best he could with making this stuff happen, and perhaps he did. But uh, nah. She's got to – she would have to come out and truly commit to these things in a way that would be almost impossible to walk back as president. And unless she does that um, – sorry, Jill Stein – probably where my vote is going <laughs> all right when do you move into germany wednesday so this is the last we'll probably skip next week because i'll be it'll be thursday night i'll be just thursday night germany time which will be thursday morning here i'll just be getting in it's possible we could do one but probably we'll just skip that week uh and then we'll we'll do it the following week all right well it was a really good time hanging out with you in vegas um it was a good time dominating you in the stopa auction and thanks to mark stopa stopa law firm $11,000 he's put it on the line for no entry fee. He's a great guy. Uh, the UFC 200 was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, all right, man. Look forward to our, our continuing podcast while you're out of the country, which is going to be crazy. Yeah, it's going to be a trip. It'll be very different times of day. And, uh, I'll and to be out. kicked out. You'll be kicked out within, what, what, three months? I'm hoping that's really not the case. We got some good news today on that front. So oh, oh. hopefully. It's not, there. like, done by any means, but. I think we're more hopeful that it's gonna it's gonna work out. Oh, that's too bad. So okay, thanks for thanks for the uh, support. No, you're welcome, man. All right, good times, Liz. Take it easy, Dalton. That was Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. This is the East Coast Offense Podcast. It's brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can click on the mic in the upper right hand corner. Use my code RWPod. Sign up now. Special offer for new users: get a free six month RotoWire subscription with a twenty five dollar deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPod. It's more than sixty dollars in value for just twenty five bucks. Don't forget to use my code RWPod. Fanduel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F A N D U E L.com. Sign up today.